0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Big 5-7 coming up. Woo-woo. No, it won't shut up. You're going to be 57 yeah. Wednesday.
0: All right. If I
1: live, I'll
0: see you tomorrow. If I don't, it's been fun. It's been a shitload of fun. You're still on AOL? Like younger- <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm never traveling ever again.
2: Like Mike Florio, I mean, don't waste your time reading uh, reading crap like that.
0: Why did I know it would be capped with my own self-designed vision for a tombstone? We're all headed there. It's something we should talk about openly. It's not going to go away if we ignore it. When I die, I want a solar-powered video screen with an infinite loop of Aaron Rodgers saying, don't waste your time. Reading crap like that there was something else we were going to add to it too but because i am now 57 i can't remember what in the hell it was there was another (laughs) clip we were going to add where somebody called me out but i can't remember chris do you remember i your uh, brain is younger although it's addled by cannabis i'm maybe which maybe
1: balances us out well i mean i think that it's either shanahan with like florio will write some stupid headline or Bruce Arians. Bruce, Arians. Yeah. Bruce, Arians. Bruce Arians at the end. Florio can God. write whatever he wants. Florio, you can write whatever you want. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for the permission as if I ever needed it. Anyway, look, I never have any. I would rather it not be commemorated in this setting, but I have no issue with turning 57. I'll have no issue with turning 58. We all get one shot. We all get to be each age. We intersect in our lives where there are younger people and just for the younger people out there, have a little respect because if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you'll be 57, 58, 59, 60 someday. That's how I look at it. So if somebody wants to say, okay, boomer, after I stifle my urge to tell them something that I shouldn't say, but that we've been saying slightly more frequently in recent days, I I think to myself, hey, look, I was young and stupid once too. Now I'm just old and stupid. But I remember being young and stupid.
1: Yes, I I I, I listen, I'm there. I'm try I'm sorry, I'm double tasking right now. My computer crapped out you know, the NBC login stuff. I can't. Yes. And I'm like over here. I can't look at the rundown right now. I can't do anything. So I'm trying to figure that out as we talk here. And I'm sorry if I seem a little disengaged, but yeah, it's thrown me off. Thanks. I can't thanks. do anything. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yes. I'm paying no attention Happy birthday. To you. Exactly I was paying attention.
0: What I wanted when you for my went- birthday is for you to pay no attention to me at all. I didn't even realize all right, I wanted I got it. it until I got it. got it. I got it. So let's oh, start the show over on. and have right.
1: another conversation about your birthday. No, let's let's start, start the it show over. over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was going to say something else that was at least moderately profound about getting older. But again, I forget what... It was going
1: 57 like big. what's who's the greatest, you know, I mean, again, you've sent me some great jerseys. I sent you one who's the best 57 of all time in your uh, in your mind. There was a montage of
0: them there at the beginning, I guess. Clay Matthews. Yes, that was the only one that I noticed. It's, it's a Jeff rare Van one. Note one of them. Yep, Ricky Jackson. Sure. Ricky Jackson. Tom Jackson, I All think, was famer. 57 oh, the Oh, Tom Jackson, right? 57. Yep. Well, there you go. Was he 57? I'm pretty sure. I remember sure. Mike Merriweather. I believe Mike Merriweather was 57. Yep. Played for the Steelers, played for the Vikings, went to Pacific University. Mike Merriweather. Isn't it weird the shit that your brain just stores for no reason whatsoever? I have no reason to remember that Mike Merriweather went to Pacific University. But that meaningless fact is still lingering in my brain 30 years after the guy played. Yeah, that's Here why are some we're of in the this other business. great 57. I was right about Jeff Van Note, and you were right about Tom Jackson, Reggie Williams. Reggie Williams, who makes an appearance in the Phil Sims. That's right. Very short shorts workout video. Yes, he does. Reggie He's Williams, former right. Bengal.
1: Yes. Who else? Anybody
0: Olin Kruitz. Olin So We okay. won't say anything more about him. No, no, Don't say he'll in punch face. You in the face. Right. CJ <laughs> C- 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 Mosley. Bart Scott can't wait. Bart Scott. Bart Scott said something stupid in the past year. That's okay, Bart. I say something stupid every day. What did Bart Scott say that got him in trouble? Oh, something about you need more criminals on your team. Oh, right, right. But now which, what it was, you know, they don't which have the point. Criminals.
1: I know the point he was trying to make. Maybe he didn't make yeah. it quite the right way, but we did discuss that. That you know, there, you know, there, there is some. Tr- you need some edgy guys. All right, I wouldn't say oh, criminal. Mo Lewis,
0: by the way, Mo Lewis. Yeah, big the most Mo. Significant Start, fifty-seven in league history. Started the goat's career, him, right? But for him, Chris, Chris's favorite player of all time would. Uh, I, he inevitably, I mean, he was going to get his way onto the field. They're already thinking about benching Drew
1: Bledsoe. They were, no doubt anyway. about it. No doubt Lewis about Lewis it. did him a That's what people don't know. Yes, that's, that, that's exactly That's the dirty little secret there is that the organization had already swayed to Tom Brady. They were just looking for the moment to kind of pull the trigger there. In fact, everything I know, even to let you know there too, just that it's an interesting subject is, you know, really, I believe the coaching staff and Belichick and everybody kind of wanted to make the move to Brady in that summer. And it might have even been the, the, the year before. But Mr. Kraft got involved. Of course, he had just acquired the team not long before that. Bledsoe was kind of the crown jewel that they had paid a ton of money to. But, yes, you're exactly right. That was that was coming, and it was inevitable. I mean, they, they wanted Brady to be the starter. And it just shows you, and you talk about it all the time, it's one of the issues
0: – Of the business and the politics of football. You give the guy all that money. You can't bench him. You can't get rid of him. You've given him all that money. What are you talking about? We're going to bench him for the sixth round pick out of Michigan. Yes. That was passed over repeatedly by us and everyone else. And we've given this guy a nine-figure contract and we're not going to play him. I remember... Attending the 2001 AFC Championship game when Tom Brady exited with a knee injury, yeah, and Drew Bledsoe came in and they won the game, and there was a, a flutter of a thought, and there was just one week between conference championship and Super Bowl that year because 9/11 pushed everything back. The right. two weeks became one week. There was a flutter of a thought that Bledsoe was going to be the starter in Super yeah. Bowl 36. I think he expected it, and Bill Belichick shut that down quickly.
1: Yes, I know. I mean, you're right. There was that Monday, Tuesday period where we were kind of like, wait, what's Brady going to be? Is he going to be able to play? Will they start Bledsoe? And you're right. I believe it was maybe Wednesday. Might have been Thursday of that week. But it was like when they started practice, they made it pretty clear that yeah, Brady was going to play and be able to gut it out. And of course, that's that's history. And that was a the, one of the clutchest drives in the history of the sport. There to to win that game and beat the the greatest show on turf, the, the the St. Louis Rams, I should say. You can find the the TV copy
0: down the stretch of that game, very memorable. And uh, uh, Brady was so unestablished, yeah, that John Madden openly advocated. Taking me knee. and go going to, to overtime. overtime. Right. Right. Because. Yeah. He's a young quarterback. Tom Brady and this was not Tom situation.
1: Brady. Right. Yeah. Right. No yeah. doubt about it. I know that whole game was shocking. That's one of those that I'll never forget just because of the year itself. The Rams, how they were favored in the football game, the defensive showdown, you know, and yeah, the Brady being young where he is, but really, I mean, the defense shutting down Kurt Warner and company and all that, giving them issues. That that was the story of the day there. That was an amazing day. I'll never forget that game. Definitely one of my favorite Super Bowls ever.
0: Well, and it was the the mastery of defensive game plan, yeah, by Bill Belichick, harkening back to your dad's second Super Bowl victory, right? Although he didn't play in the game. I don't mean that as an asshole. Yeah, sorry. I just he didn't. Nope. but that was the game where they specifically decided we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna set this up. up so Thurman Thomas has to run the ball, and he did run the ball, and and he told the guys if Thurman Thomas runs for more than a hundred yards, we're winning the Super Bowl, right. and they wanted they, they wanted to, they wanted to strangle him when he said that. And He came up with the game plan Super Bowl thirty six. We're going to dare them to use Marshall Falk as a running back. Yeah, and Mike March was too. Oh, yeah, that. Uh, You're right. Okay. Yeah, they, they, yeah, Marshall Falk in 36. Yeah. And, and Mike March was too too stubborn to shift to what Bill Belichick was giving him. And they, they did just enough to win the Super Bowl in that game. So, yeah. uh, uh, very anyway, similar. This trip gratuitously.
1: Brought to you by lane, 57. Brought to you by
0: 57. <laughs> the number of the day. Is fifty-seven. Thank yes, you, sir. Mo Lewis, and every other guy that wore fifty-seven. Man, this really this list goes deep, with like all the way down to guys I've never heard of. Well, I know that's, that's what's crazy.
1: Fifty-seven, not a popular right? number, right? I, it isn't it funny how some numbers just never seem to have any love or like really no like marquee names. Uh, not you know, no disrespect to Ricky Jackson and Clay Matthews, but yeah, I mean after that, Mo Lewis was certainly good, and, and Bart Scott was really good too. Reggie Williams, C.J. Mosley right now. But, yeah, I mean, all these years in the NFL, it's it's amazing that we don't have a few more big names that have worn that number.
0: Well, I think most of the guys, most, not all, but most of them that became great NFL players with number 57 were guys that weren't expected to be great players.
1: Yeah, that's very true. you right. You
0: don't arrive in the NFL no, as a that. big-time player saying, I got to wear 57.
1: No, you're exactly right. I've been right. waiting
0: my whole life. To play in the National Football League in the number 57. It's almost a testament to the reality that, hey, I made it. I made it because I'm wearing this number 57 is is basically the, the message to me and everyone else that I wasn't supposed to be here. Because I'm just the guy that the equipment manager pulls whatever number is left over and says, here, wear this one. Yeah. That's
1: kind of what I was. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, hey there's, we've all been there. I've been there. I mean, again, it, it just it matters what, what locker room you're in. Sometimes you just got to take the number that's thrown at you, and then you earn your way, and maybe you can change it or pick it. No one's going to pick 57 now, not with the single digits and the new no, numerical system we got in the NFL. That's It's long gone. I don't think anybody's going to be uh, going in there and banging the door to, for number 57 anymore. That's over.
0: We could do a whole show on all the great players who have worn number 12 yeah. over the years. And in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, still there, showed up after skipping the voluntary phases of the offseason program. Mandatory minicamp this week. And, oh, Aaron Rodgers is there. Here he is meeting with media yesterday talking about, and we're going to talk a lot about the things he had to say. Let's begin with his comments on his current relationship with upper management of the team.
2: And I'm not saying it was hand-to-hand conflict or combat. It was uh, some, just some real serious uh, heart-to-hearts. And as someone who loves this franchise so much, I felt like it was important to share my Uh, opinions about certain things and my vision for how this place can continue to to improve and get better long after I'm done and I give uh, Mark and Brian and Russ a lot of credit for uh, that time and those conversations and the relationships changed for sure I mean it really did I I saw some really positive things with everybody involved it wasn't like this uh, you know in a relationship and and your partner's telling you that you're the cause of all the problems. It wasn't that. Wasn't what I was doing. Uh, there was it was a lot of uh, issues and potential solutions, and I'm very proud to be a part of the solution. And those three especially were a big part of the solution as well. So, do you, you think you'll finish your career here? Yes, definitely.
0: Boy, what a difference a year has made. Because yeah. as of last year, one of the very real possibilities on the Aaron Rodgers radar screen was. Finish his career somewhere else. And I think he, following the 2021 season, had the opportunity to envision starting over somewhere else. Going to a new place, new city, new personalities, new dynamics, new everything, and the expectations that would have gone along with it. Remember, Chris, we were having a hard time identifying that spot where Aaron Rodgers walks through the door and the deck is stacked in his favor the way it was for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay two years ago. And so, and and also, also, it dawned on me at one point while that was all happening. If he goes somewhere else and the deck is stacked in his favor, and he ends up with the number one seed, yeah, and loses in the divisional round or the championship round and doesn't get to the playoffs, all of a sudden, or Super Bowl, excuse me, Super Bowl already in the playoffs. The narrative just subtly shifts. And we know how narratives, with just a little tweak here or there, can change dramatically. The narrative becomes he's the reason why the Packers chronically failed to get to the Super Bowl because he had a chance to go to another team that was built for success, that was ready to get to the Super Bowl. They're the one seed. Everything's laid out perfectly for them, and they can't get there. And Aaron Rodgers has an unspectacular game in the postseason, and they don't make it to the Super Bowl. I don't think he wanted that. As long as he stays in Green Bay you can kind of convince yourself it's not him, it's them. If he doesn't cap his legacy with another Super Bowl appearance or Super Bowl win. He goes somewhere else and he falls short. Then all of a sudden you got people like me or others saying maybe it was
1: him. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you're right. There was pressure there. You know, we talked about it a lot during the time too. I mean, again, he's he's used to having the red carpet out of him being the king. As we've talked about in Green Bay, that's what they do with quarterbacks. So that's where it's also I would go, that's another thing. I don't know if you, you wanna try to restart that or you're not gonna be able to get the exact same circumstances and environment you got in Green Bay where you have been the franchise ever since you, you know, took over in two thousand eight, and then just think this new franchise is gonna bow down and you're gonna be treated exactly the same. No, you gotta, you know, kinda earn that you know, make relationships, get people to know you. That that takes a, you know, a, a, a working, you know, it's kind of a work in progress to get to get back to what he would have had or has in Green Bay. Hey, the, the thing I love about Rodgers is I love the answers. To me, he's still one of the best interviews in the sport, all right? I know he went off the rails a few times with McAfee this year and whatever else, all right? So there's some things there I don't disagree. But I love the openness, the candor. I really do. And, you know, to your point, Mike, too, I don't know if it matters. There's not – There's. I don't know if there's been more narratives around a player, really, in recent history or really ever since I can remember than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's he has more narratives than any – I'm watching TV yesterday. People, oh, he's only won one Super Bowl. He's got all these yards. So he's getting held to that narrative in Green Bay, too. He's in a tough spot. He always is going to be in a tough spot because we all know how freaking talented he is. And he only won one Super Bowl. And sure, we can blame him maybe a little bit. And to your point, I think we can blame the Packers a lot. Um, It's going to be an interesting year. It is. I'm very interested to see Green Bay because of a lot of things. Even the Devontae Adams and life without him, that's going to be interesting to add on top of this. We're going to get to that in a second because obviously
0: that's the personnel dynamic that hovers over the team moving forward. But I want to say two things very quickly. One. Right. This offseason, he really didn't suck the oxygen out of the room the way he did last offseason when his apparent desire to be traded, the notion that they told him they'd trade him, and then they said, nah, we don't think we're going to do that. And it all bubbled up the day of the draft. It was a big, nasty mess. He let everybody, especially Packers fans who got caught in the middle of this, wonder what he was going to do and he claimed that he was 50 50 on whether he was going to retire the weekend before training camp open remember the sports books started pulling off all the packers right. futures bets from the board because the rumor was making the rounds he actually was going to retire this year nothing i mean this year his big moment was the morning that he said he's coming back and an hour later russell wilson got traded so we forgot all about aaron Rodgers saying he's going back and that's not news status quo I'm here to announce that everything will stay the same. Well, people don't get excited about that. They don't go nuts about that. They get nuts about unexpected change, like Russell Wilson being traded to the Broncos. So this year he hasn't been that magnet for attention and criticism, and maybe he got his fill for it last year because it was the off-season stuff. It was the in-season stuff. Yeah. It was this very palpable sense he was taking a heel turn, that he was consciously, after years of avoiding any and all controversy And not getting himself in the middle of this, he accepted, hey, you know what, I can make some of the people really love me if I accept the fact that some of the people are really going to hate me, and I'm good with that, because I'll take the love at one end of the spectrum. And tolerate the hate at the other end of the spectrum. And he leaned heavily into that last year. At you least know, that's my perception. I,
1: I don't disagree with you there. I mean, I, to me, I think it ties into a little bit about what we just talked about. Uh, I, I do. I think the guy has more narratives around him and more people that make judgments on him than anybody in football. It's constant. I think maybe he got to the point finally where he was like, you know what? I, I, there's just a group of people I'm not going to be able to win over no matter what. doesn't matter how much I carry the team or do anything like so that. Screw em. Yeah. Then, over, so screw them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So screw them. That's I, the attitude. I feel like it's a little bit what happened where he's like, Damn, I mean, just nobody's going to give me respect. You know, after that year, he had every right to act the way he did with Green Bay the last two off seasons. I'm not mad at him and it didn't make things easy for them, but I'm not mad at him. I don't think you are either. As we've discussed a lot, Green Bay made that bet. I mean, and they made a crappy one and they were stupid and they didn't evaluate the situation the right way with the Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers personal feelings being affected. What I really do is, hey, it's great. Uh, uh, But but But. the drafting of Jordan Love propelled Aaron Rodgers to two
0: consecutive
1: late career MVP award. I hear you. You're right. You're right. I I get that. And 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 I'm not going to deny that that didn't have something to do with it or refocus him a little bit or want to shove it up, you know, where the sun don't shine to the front office of the Packers people. Yes. That's the part like, Hey, it's cool to hear Rogers say, hey, we're good, and I know he loves the organization. and that You know, the relationship with the front office is better. I, I'm going to sit here, though, and, like, I don't know if I really buy that. I don't. I mean, here here's two things. One, again, here we are in another offseason where they haven't put a ton of talent around him, and he's in a tough spot. Here's the other thing that continues to go through my brain about this situation, and we haven't talked about it recently, so I haven't had a chance to bring this up, but, like, Mike, I'm, I'm somewhat – it's not even a conspiracy. I think I'm connecting dots here a little bit. Like, how can he be totally happy with the Packers and Devon, and, and the way the Devontae Adams thing shook out? How could he be? I mean, the way it looks – and again, maybe there's something I don't know. But, I mean, Rogers signs the deal, right? And then what was it? Five, six days later, Devontae Adams left for the Raiders, right? Okay, when he signed the deal, he didn't know that Devontae Adams was going to the Raiders. He didn't know. And to me, what I want to go is like, Aaron, don't you think Green Bay and Devontae Adams knew? They, they knew. They, just, they were like, shh, don't tell Aaron until he signs the new contract. Don't shh. I mean, they worked behind his back. They, that deal didn't come out of nowhere in four days. Green Bay was talking to the Raiders. That was being worked out. So that's another part where I want to go, yeah, I mean, it seems like, okay, I'll believe them. It's all cool. But I want to be like, they. they to me, I, I think they somewhat sabotaged you again a little this offseason. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's crossed my mind a few times over the last hey, month, and we haven't been able to talk look, about it.
0: I like the point you're making, and Pete is nudging me to play the sound. Before we play the sound yeah. on Aaron Rodgers talking about Devontae Adams, this is something I've been thinking about for the entirety of the conversation. And... Look, it's my birthday, so I'm not going to choose my words carefully. I think that – let me go ahead and say it because I don't care. I don't care. It's what I believe. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is as smart as everybody thinks he is. I've come to that conclusion over the last year. And I think Aaron Rodgers believes he's smarter than he really is. And I think the Packers have figured out how to outsmart him. And your point right now is what led me to that statement. Mm -hmm. And the other point – that made me think that is the way that they made him believe they actually were pursuing Odell Beckham Jr. last year when they didn't want Odell Beckham Jr. Right. They didn't want him. They made him an offer that they knew he would never accept. And they didn't bring out the full treatment yeah,
1: right. that I'm he got to from him. the Rams. Yeah.
0: Show the love. If right. they wanted him, they would have gotten him. They wanted to do enough so Aaron Rodgers – would think, oh, hey, you tried to get Odell Beckham Jr., thank you. Yeah, that would have been great. Oh, I understand why he went to the Rams. Thank you for trying. They didn't really want him, but they made Aaron Rodgers think they wanted him. And that's all relevant to this Devontae Adams thing because, as you said, they knew. Adams knew. Definitely. And they found a way to keep Mr. Genius, Jeopardy host potentially, right? smartest guy in the room yeah and he'd been that way from the day he showed up in green bay because he had to tell everybody what he got on his wonderlick and that was one of the reasons why brett Favre didn't like him according to gunslinger written by jeff perlman which may become <laughs> hell after the la lakers thing make every jeff perlman book a series on hbo <laughs> or peacock so uh so anyway here's aaron Rodgers from yesterday talking about Devontae adams and let's consider everything he says through this lens that we've just created that maybe just maybe Aaron Rodgers is not the super genius that we've all been led to believe he is.
2: I was in the conversations with him. We had, you know, many heart-to-hearts. And ultimately, you know, he felt like he wanted to be in Las Vegas and uh, asked me to help him get there. So, in the end, it was... uh, you know, the only option uh, in, in his mind, and then that's what he wanted. What was your first reaction when you found out from him that, that he wanted him to be somewhere else? I love Devante, so you know, I was, I was obviously disappointed, but I'm um, not going to stand in his way. Uh, you know, as he pursues the next step in his career, the team obviously stepped up and wanted to and made a competitive or even more compelling offer. Um, ultimately, Devante thought it was best for him and his family to be in Vegas. Um, so that was tough for sure, but uh, like I said, I love I love Tay and, and love our connection. It was just deep conversations, you know, man to man, friend to friend, brother to brother, about where he was at mentally and what he thought about uh, his future moving forward. And again, I I can't fault him. I asked him at the end. I said, "What can I do for you?" And he said he wanted to go to Vegas. So that's all right.
1: Aaron, when you said I think he said earlier
0: hey. Let's consider that juxtaposed against what David Carr, the brother of Derek Carr, said recently on Rich Eisen's show. David Carr said this thing with Devontae Adams playing for the Raiders had been in the works yeah, for five years. Right. So when you give me that friend-to-friend, brother-to-brother stuff, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did you not know, Aaron Rodgers, that this has been something that Devontae Adams has wanted to do for five years? Now, maybe Devontae Adams has been reluctant to say to Aaron Rodgers, Hey, you know, I like being here and playing with you, but I really want to go to Las Vegas. I really, you would think if, if, if Aaron Rodgers is as smart as we've been led to believe he is, if he would have picked it up at some point, he would have gleaned from something Devonte Adams said or did over the past eight years. If they are friend to friend, brother to brother, heart to heart, he would have detected something, something because you can't hide it if you're a close relationship all the time, communicating all the time, joined at the hip. You're going to get a sense when the Raiders come up. You see a little sparkle in the guy's eye. You're going to get a sense. If you're as smart as we've been led to believe, you're going to pick up on something. I, I, just, I, I question whether or not they really had a close relationship. And when I hear Aaron Rodgers explain it, it sounds a lot like the way he explained it earlier this year. I think on McAfee's show, because that's really all he does other than his press conferences. Talking points. It feels like talking points. He said he wanted to go, and I said, how can I help you? He said it the exact same way on McAfee's show. That, to me, smacks of how do I sell this so no one realizes this guy was spurning me, repudiating me, choosing Derek freaking Carr over me so he's got a lot of ego tied up in this he's got uh, to sell no it doubt. a certain way no doubt 100%. because at the end of the day yeah Devontae Adams chose Derek Carr over
1: Aaron Rodgers yes right I, the Raiders too let's say I mean I think there was some real was, sentiment yes but right. yes I hear you the Derek Carr the connection the the friendship it's real like we showed the clip yesterday I mean it's real obviously then they've stayed in contact so yeah it was better than Aaron Rodgers and hey, Devonte hey, Adams relationship to your point I, I'm
0: let let me say this birthday yeah. privilege. I'm yeah. gonna interrupt you. Okay. Uh, not that I not that I need that any other day.
1: Think about this,
0: Chris. If they were as close as Aaron Rodgers wants us to think, yeah. why wasn't the conversation, hey, Aaron, let's go to Las Vegas? Well, you and me, baby. Well, Let's well, go. Let's at go, the very let's go, least. Let's go take
1: over the Raiders. Yeah, I, I hear you. To, well, to me, I, I mean, you're, you're leading me down the path I want to go here, which is perfect. I Yes, I, I would doubt that their relationship was nearly as close as Derek Carr and Devontae Adams was. I think they probably had a good business, professional relationship, respect for each other. Hey, when we're in the facility, hey, it's... It's great to see you, and we talk football, and let's get better. But I don't know if I got the sense or feeling that they were, like, hanging out outside of that. And that's where Derek Carr, I think, is a different guy altogether. I do agree with you, too. I think we're getting revisionist history of the story. We do. We're getting revisionist history because, yes, ego is going to be involved. First off, the real thing is, why wasn't this conversation had before Aaron Rodgers signed his contract? That's the real thing. He's he's kind of talking as this was – all part of the process before he signed his contract but what we're leaving out is no he signed the contract and then we started to have these conversations because I don't think he signs back right away if this is he knew this right then so yes he's kind of trying to frame it right now to, to I think your part of, it looks like hey it looks better that I was a part of the conversation and maybe not, I don't know, incompetent. I don't want to say that. Or or ignored. Ignored a little or just bit. Just exactly. factor. So it's better to look like I was a part of him going I there. I helped him. I, help, I exactly helped Exactly right. Him. I feel like that's what we're, tra- we're getting it, a little. He wanted
0: it. And he wanted it. Right. And I I gave him the nod. I gave him my uh, yeah, personal. That's how I feel Aaron little, Rodgers' seal right. of approval. And right. you're right. And Chris, look, here's the point that dovetails with the idea that the Packers didn't really want Odo Beckham Jr but they did enough to make Aaron Rodgers think they wanted OBJ. This whole idea of, hey, the Packers really stepped up and they offered him more money. Look, we said it at the time. It's too late when you do it once he's decided yeah, he's going to options. Las Vegas. right? Once the franchise tag is applied and the season is over, if you want to keep him, you make him an offer he can't refuse at or near the end of the season. Because if this whole play for the Raiders thing has been in his head his entire career – He jumped on the offer that they made back in 2018-ish, I think it was, when his first rookie contract ended. He was still several months away from the whole, are they going to tag me, are they not going to tag me? And I remember saying, don't do it, Devontae. You have completed your rookie contract. You no longer have any injury risk. Don't take the first offer they give you now. Let it play out. Maybe there's another place you can go if they don't franchise tag you. But he took the money they put on the table. So the Packers knew. And their job is to understand with each individual guy, what does it take to get them to act? With Devontae Adams, they already have the history. You put a big offer on the table. Even if he wants to play for somebody else, he's not going to turn away from it. If you put it on the table at the right time, they waited too long. Yeah, you think ar- had, arrogance they already them? had a big enough offer on the table from the Raiders. Right. So he said, screw you and your technically bigger offer, yeah. which has no guaranteed money beyond the first year, which is the Packers way for everyone except the quarterback. So I, I, I think that if they really wanted him and this is where I feel like they're outsmarting Aaron Rodgers, or he's allowing his ego to parrot the talking points. So it's not about Devonte Adams spurning and rejecting him. It's, well, hey, the Packers really stepped up. Instead of Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, Russ Ball, hey, Brian Gutekunst, hey, Mark Murphy, why didn't you go to the guy in November or December? Why didn't you go to him the minute the season ended and make him an offer he wouldn't refuse? Because that's what worked the last time. Why didn't you do it again? We wouldn't be in this mess. We wouldn't be in a spot where I've already committed to coming back here before I find out. That my only great receiver is going to be gone. Uh, So I I think, you know, I think they're playing the guy and he doesn't realize they're playing him a little bit. They played him with this. On Adams, he's accepting it. He's so concerned. Here's what I think it is. He's so concerned about how he looks in there. Yes, exactly. That he's not even noticing the fact that they played him a little bit on this one.
1: I think so. He's got to protect his, you know, yeah, he's got to protect his turf here a little bit. It doesn't look good. Like, we said this at the time. It doesn't. I mean, the optics of it don't look I great. Feel, I got a feeling right. there's going to be another clip so, that we're going to be able to put on the tombstone. Well, yeah, we might. We might. But uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, again, a base level, whatever, the optics of it, however you want to look at it, that's the only thing. Again, I love the the press conference yesterday Bear Rogers. I love it. I do. But it's the one thing that I just question After watching it and reading it, whatever, you just sit there and go, uh, yes, uh, that part of it still is very hazy to me, and I would have a hard time thinking that Green Bay and Adams weren't in cahoots to keep it quiet, don't mess this up, we'll trade you. But you you can't say anything to Rodgers. He gets back to Rodgers. We, we're we not going to be as friendly and make this deal happen. Uh, to me, the more and more time that goes by, the way this looks, I think that's kind of how it went down. And I, I'm i with you. I think they pulled a fast one on Rodgers a little bit there. He was
0: also asked to clarify how he helped Devontae Adams. That's part of this narrative that he's crafted. Devontae wanted to leave. And at the end of the day, well, how can I help you? He talked about Adams getting the franchise tag and possibly holding out, but apparently Rodgers didn't didn't embrace that question with a full-throated response that would explain how he helped Devontae Adams. You know, did he go talk to Matt, uh, Mike, Mark, Mur- Matt, Mike, Mark Murphy? They know who we mean. <laughs> Mark Murphy. I'm thinking Matt LaFleur. I- I'm 57. There is okay, a Mike I LaFleur. Says, hey, that can be a hey, little confusing. Yeah, no, I'm, getting, yeah. I'm, getting the, I'm getting the name screwed up a little bit. But Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst. Did he go, did he, did he, you know, use some of his own personal equity to help the guy leverage the trade. No, we wanted him to play there. And I think once he knew that the cause was lost, it became about – and let's be realistic. We we all have that ego. We have that pride. We all craft our narratives about when something goes poorly, why it went poorly, and it can't be because of us or it can't be that we had no idea that this was happening – so, yeah, I, I, I once he said he wanted out, I said I could help him. How'd you help him? Well, I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't. I told him I, good I, luck. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't I didn't, you know, restrain him. I didn't lock him in my house. I didn't tell him. No, I didn't beg him. I said, fine, get the hell out of here. I, and I'm, I'm being facetious. But uh, anyway, they move forward now without Devontae Adams. And I, I've i been vocal about my belief that Aaron Rodgers should have been at the offseason program to be working with their new receivers directly. Yeah. Christian Watson, second-round pick, who's got more pressure on him than any receiver ever drafted by the Green Bay Packers had, Because I can't think of a single receiver they've drafted who's expected to walk through the door and be the number one wideout with a franchise Hall of Fame quarterback. You're the guy right through the door. You're the guy. Not you're going to develop like every other second and third round pick. That's one of their great talking points. That's one of their face savers. Hey, we've had plenty of great second and third round receivers over the years. James Jones, and Jordy Nelson, and Devontae Adams. and The list goes on and on. So we'll be fine with a second round receiver. But none of those guys showed up. With to the expectation the right. that they're going to be the guy. So against that backdrop, here's Aaron Rodgers. And Matt LaFleur, the coach of the team, not Mike, not Mark, but Matt LaFleur, talking about developing the team's young receivers.
2: Aaron, you obviously don't need these reps, Tom Clowney, said you've done this a thousand times. Why are you here, though, this week? I'm just here, so I won't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as, you know, there's conversation around the, the importance of me being here and how much that means to the young guys, the most important thing for the young guys right now is to learn the offense. And like I've said many times, there's two offenses. There's the offense on paper, then there's the offense that gets run on the field. So they need to learn the offense on paper first. And once they get that down, then uh, we'll have plenty of time in training camp to get the other offense down.
3: I think it's always important for quarterbacks, no matter whether it's a receiver, tight end, running back, whoever they're throwing to, you've you got to learn how guys move. And it allows you, you can kind of read body language when, when a guy may or may not be breaking. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, and that's not something that happens overnight. That's de- that's definitely a process, and it takes time for that to develop.
2: Is there anything that before training camp, other than training camp, that you can do to accelerate your, your chemistry with those rookie guys, or is, is training camp going to be enough for that? I mean, I think a lot of times those are just story fillers for slow times in the offseason. But we got, you know, my closest buddy on the team with those guys every single day, Randall Kopp, and he's been here the entire time just about... So he's passing along everything they need to know about playing with me and expectations and signals and unspoken communication and nonverbal stuff. And they just got to feel me once, you know, we get back for training camp and it gets real. There will be expectations for him, but but reasonable expectations.
0: I will say this. Let me start here. The fact that Aaron Rodgers initially responded to the question by saying that the talking point is out there, that he should be there to help the young receivers develop – I will hazard to guess that he may have been wasting his time reading crap like that in recent weeks. It could have been. Because I'm not aware of anybody else banging that drum. Now, I don't I don't read what others write. I doubt that the folks covering the Packers have been daring to step onto those landmines because you don't want to have to answer to Aaron Rodgers. And I, I don't mean any disrespect. I understand the human dynamics. You cover the team. You're not... Trying to piss Aaron Rodgers off, you're trying to actively avoid pissing him off. You're not going to push that narrative that, hey, Aaron Rodgers, you need to be there to help these young guys develop. And I like the juxtaposition. Well done, Pete Demolaitis, selecting the sound bites there. You got Aaron Rodgers saying, I don't need to be there. And you got the head coach saying, he needs to be here. Right. Because look at it this way. Look at it this way. Even if his take is right, and Matt LaFleur disagrees with him, even if his take is right, does it hurt? Is it counterproductive to have the starting quarterback there? Even if it does nothing, and it it surely wouldn't mean nothing to Christian yeah. Watson to be able to work with Aaron Rodgers and just kind of get past that initial, holy shit, I'm working with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. Right? You get past that and work through that, and and it all starts to settle down. Of course, there's value in it. It's not going to hurt. That's the thing. It's not going to hurt. And the reason that I got all lathered up about it, they're paying him $50 million a year now, and I know it's voluntary. The guy's getting $50 million a year. You should be there to help these young guys not freak out when training camp rolls around. You set the right tone now. You lay the foundation to have a great team later. I think he kind of likes the challenge of, it's almost like, waiting to study for a test until the night before like he kind of he kind of likes the adrenaline of we got to get our act together here you know maybe we'll lose 31 to 3 week one like last year too and then everybody will call us out and that's when we'll on the fly become a great team again I think he kind of likes that why else wouldn't you be there? And why wouldn't you be working with these guys between the end of the offseason program and the start of training camp? Because it sure sounds like he doesn't plan to do that either.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, oh, There's no negatives. That, that's like what you're talking about. There's no negatives. Really, there's only positives. That, that's that's where you push back. Yes, can Aaron Rodgers not show up and do the stuff he's talking about at training camp and still be awesome this year and their offense be you know, still really good? Yeah, sure. No doubt about it. But does that mean it reaches its maximum potential and possibilities? I, I don't know about that. No, I don't know. That, that's, that's not – because you, you made the points the right way. I mean, one – Hey, I mean, yeah, you're getting a head start. You're building not only the camaraderie, but you're getting the nerves out of young receivers and guys that haven't worked with Aaron Rodgers. You're getting that done. Some of the nonverbals and the signs and things like that and the little thought processes and nuances you might be able to give a guy, you know, on certain plays. Hey, you get a jump start on that. I mean, there's only positives. Again, I don't know if the negatives are that big that it's going to affect them to where I go, oh, no. They're gonna lose two or three extra games. And I don't know if it's gonna be that much, but it might be one game. It might be, you know, a few less incompletions and a few less touchdown passes because of it. And like you said, the biggest thing is you're the leader of the team. You're the god of the team. You're you're the guy. It's Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are coming into town. That's what it is. So yes, you like to be there to be that guy to show everybody how to work set the good example, everything you're talking about that way, let alone, hey, he's preached to us all a little bit the last few off seasons about the way things should be done, and he's been around, and he knows how it should be done, and we should listen to his advice and that stuff. I mean, that that to me would, would entail, yes, showing up at work for the limited amount of practice times you got during the spring, so again, he's awesome, and he's going to be the man, but... I don't think there's negatives to this. There was only positives of him showing up, and that's out the door now. And I really do think even the most ardent proponents of the idea that it's all voluntary and they don't have to be there
0: would agree that if you're giving a guy $50 million a year, he's the highest-paid player in the NFL right now, and their receiver room is in shambles, you should be there if for no reason other than to help both Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson get
1: more comfortable now or a couple of weeks ago, and a bunch of now, other no names. Yeah, yeah, I mean a bunch of other no names to add on to it. Yeah, that that that's yes, that's the the big thing, Mike. And I'm I'm you know I'm I'm with you there all the way. You should be there and yes, fifty million dollars a year, leader of the team. And the biggest thing is the coach. And you're not going to find any coach in football that's not going to tell you that a. It will be okay and we'll be better in training camp even though we miss practice. No, it's, it's BS. Again, it's not that the world's going to fall apart here for Aaron Rodgers, but there definitely was no negatives and there are a lot more positives about showing up. That's for sure. One guy who hasn't shown up because he has no contract is receiver Alan
0: Lazard. Restricted free agent with a three point nine million one one-year tender. He's not under contract, so he's not in violation of anything. This is what you do. You withhold services, what he's trying to do, because the Packers have him in a spot where he's got no alternatives. He either plays for them for $3.986 million this year or doesn't play for them. And he's withholding services in an effort to try to get more money out of the Packers now instead of playing out the final year and then becoming a free agent. And there are people in the league who believe it's just a matter of punch the clock, protect yourself, Because in 2023, Nathaniel Hackett's going to come calling, and Alan Lazard is going to be a member of the Denver Broncos. There's already people who firmly believe that's going to happen. So this is about Alan Lazard getting through one more year unscathed physically and uh, going to Denver unless the Packers make him an offer. He won't refuse. It's It's kind of like Devontae Adams all over again, Chris. You want to get him? Now you put money on the table that gets him to sign it, and forget about the idea of going to play with Russell Wilson, the Broncos, and Nathaniel Hackett next year. So um, that's not what the Packers have done, obviously, because he's not under contract. He's not there. His agent issued a statement. Allen's total focus is on having the best possible season he can have as a player and helping the Packers win the Lombardi Trophy, everything he is doing. Is to further those objectives. Well, then you'd sign that. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, it's just what you got to say. And again, we spent the last 20 minutes talking about sometimes people just say what they have to say. He's he's trying to leverage the situation to get a better contract now, and if they don't give him the contract now, he's going to get one from someone else later. Aaron Rodgers said of Lazard yesterday, he's been our dirty work guy for most of his career here. Now he's getting an opportunity to be a number one receiver. I'm not worried about him at all stepping into that role. Well, it, Again, if he was under contract, if the team would pay him, if he is a number one guy, then pay him. Give him the money you were going to give to Devontae Adams. Isn't that, isn't that easy? Not that you have to give him that much. You can you can anoint Alan Lazard as the number one guy with a lot less than Devontae Adams was going to get paid. So uh, I, I think there are deeper issues going on with Lazard as well, and one of them may be he he's ready to get out of Green Bay too.
1: Well, I, I mean, you know, he wants some respect. He's a pretty good football player. He's got a little bit of leverage here in this situation. I mean, he he's probably sitting back, going, "Okay, yeah, cool. You guys go. You guys go into the year with Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, and and Randall Cobb. See, tell me how that works out. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yes. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins in all twenty-seven receptions last year, and can you know barely practice on a weekly basis, and it's every week. We don't know if he can play. And Randall Cobb's at the end of his career. I mean, again." I don't, I don't even, I'd be interested to know where Randall Cobb would be if he wasn't with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And so, Alan lazar has got a little power. I mean, he's the, he's the only kind of, like, real commodity they got right now. I mean, he does have size. He understands the offense. He can beat people deep a little bit. He's a good player. He is. I don't know why they wouldn't want to sign him up just to bolster the room and have some insurance for years to come, but... Yeah, that's dicey, and I can understand Lazard's position, and I do think he could maybe make them a little uncomfortable here with that current status of their wide receiver room right now. Just mark it down. We're months away, but
0: if the Packers don't get this guy signed, Denver Broncos, Alan Lazard, 2023 reunion with Nathaniel Hackett and uh, New Beginnings with Russell Wilson we'll be talking about the Broncos for a different reason coming up later in the program and we will do a draft of the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC North we haven't forgotten about you non-quarterbacks of the Bears Vikings Lions and Packers although I have a feeling based upon the current status of the rosters in Detroit and Chicago there may not be a lot of Bears and Lions represented on that list when we return however it's 49ers time and despite any annoying headlines that he may see at PFT and elsewhere, Kyle Shanahan says his relationship with Debo Samuel is just fine. That and more from the San Francisco 49ers when PFT Live continues right after.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable,
0: One of the big pre-draft stories, where will Debo Samuel be? He was making it very clear he didn't want to be with the 49ers. He went public with his trade request. And it looked like they weren't going to be able to rebuild the bridge. But Debo Samuel, looky here. He's at mandatory minicamp. And here's Kyle Shanahan, coach of the team from yesterday, talking about his relationship with his receiver, who not long ago did not want to be Kyle Shanahan's receiver anymore.
2: The fact that Debo, you indicated Debo, you expected him to be here. The fact that he is here observing practice, is that a sign that the relationship has been mended a little bit?
3: Um, Yeah, I think it's always been all right. I mean, I know we go through the business part of this league and things like that, but I mean, I don't think the relationship was ever um, too far away to not get it back to normal, and I think we're working on that. Anytime you're away from each other for a while, um, that's always harder, but um, it's good to get him back in here and um, start getting around the guys again. Has he rescinded his trade
2: requests? And on the two sides, you know, trading numbers, are negotiations active right now?
3: Um, I mean, they always talk. I mean, I'm not going to get into that, and you guys can ask Debo to speak for himself on that. But, um, I mean, love our relationship with Debo, and – Hopefully that'll help us be able to solve this contractually uh, before we get to the season.
2: I mean, some of his actions, most notably requesting a trade to leave the team, would indicate they weren't great. I mean, why do you say they weren't? weren't I? I go off of,
3: when I think of a relationship with someone that has to do with him and me, not um, statements, um, not Instagram, not people repeating stuff. It has to do with the words that come out of my mouth to a man and him back to me and nothing else and That's never been a problem with me and him.
0: I I think back to some of the things Kyle Shanahan said before the draft and during the draft when they do the press conference, basically after every installment Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he expressed optimism that once the guys are back in the building, that's when the magic happens. That's when the communicator that Kyle is, kind of like Sean McVay, Chris, the opportunity to talk directly to someone face-to-face man-to-man and work things out you know r- remember it came up during one of those press conferences they asked when you last spoke to Debo and he said oh, I haven't reached him and I haven't spoken to him in a while it's because he wasn't taking his calls it's easy it's easier to just hit the uh, the FU button on your phone <laughs> when you don't want to talk to somebody you don't have to deal with them but when you're there when Debo Samuel shows up and he's there. That's when Kyle Shanahan has the door open to do what he has to do to mend fences, and it sounds like that's what he's doing.
1: No doubt. Uh, that's why I think you know you heard me say from the start that he's not going to give up on this. And you know, I, I believe I made comments that, yes, he's got great confidence in his ability to communicate and relate to the football players. You know, We talked about McVay yesterday maybe being the master of communication. Shanahan's not far behind. Shanahan's got a magical way with the players, too. I mean, again, we're going in you know, a lot of years of being a head coach here. You don't hear too many players say anything negative about Kyle Shanahan, and a lot of them say positive things even when they're getting cut and getting kicked out the door. So, yeah, I think you make the point there. You're, you're right, and that's where this is where they wanted it. Get them back in the building. You know, hey, I'll show a few videos and teach the offense a few plays. And why I'm doing that, they're going to be Debo Samuel highlights. And I'm going to tell Debo in front of the team how awesome he is. And look, everybody be like that. And then when I'm with Debo in a room and talking to him and stuff, I'm going to make another connection. And he's just going to chip away at this. He's too important to the team, he's too important to Trey Lance. He's the best player on their football team right now. And for a guy like Shanahan, who is the offensive genius, he's the ultimate jack-of-all-trades to the offensive side of the ball. So uh, I'm not surprised it has gotten to this point. I'm not, and I think this is where Shanahan's pretty special. You know, He can tell us all he wants, oh, they're talking and whatever. He's the guy running the show. He's the GM and the coach. He's going to get it to where he wants, and he's got great confidence, like I said, in his ability to relate to these guys. And I just think it's a matter of time before – you know, we hear contract, new contract for Debo Samuel. They're still going to have to dig deep. They are. It's not going to be cheap. Nope. The market has changed dramatically, and they may be kicking themselves because
0: what they could have gotten him for back in mid to late January, early February, that changed with Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown. The price has gone up, especially if you're going to use him as a running back and put him at greater risk. If you're going to use me at two different positions, you got to pay me a little bit more. So uh, whatever it was that happened before the draft, whether it was he was offended by their opening offer, which is entirely possible, or somebody just said something that set him off accidentally. Maybe John Lynch said something. Maybe maybe he's not the master communicator that Kyle Shanahan is. Maybe they tried a good cop, bad cop. And whatever it was, something caused Debo Samuel to say, I want out. And it sounds like... They've found a way somehow for a situation that looked like it was hopelessly lost. They've found a way to pull it back together. Now, as we've been saying repeatedly, there's one way to come up with the money to pay both Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. Shanahan said yesterday they have yet to have contract talks with Nick Bosa, and he doesn't seem to be pushing yet. But, hey, his brother Joey was... Always attuned to and still is the business side of things. And Nick is as well, I think. And at some point, Nick is going to push. One way to make it easier to sign either or both guys is to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo, an excused absence from minicamp. Here is Shanahan from yesterday explaining why Garoppolo isn't there with the permission of the team.
3: It just all his rehab is down in L.A., so for him to stop it to come up here for a three-day minicamp doesn't make much sense for him or for us, so we want him to stay with his rehab. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a real risky surgery or anything, so I think it just takes time. Uh, so I think the plan still has always been July, but I know there's no concerns with it, and uh, he'll be thrown sooner than later.
2: His thumb, did, did that fully heal did you know?
3: did it, Like, Did he ever require any procedure on that? Yeah, nothing with the thumb.
2: You guys don't trade Jimmy before training camp. Do you expect him to be here practicing?
3: Uh yes, I do.
2: You wouldn't excuse him, like that's not the plan.
3: I'll think about that when that day comes. But doesn't I mean Jimmy's under contract with us, and he's healthy um, right now. I would see him coming to practice, you know, unless we traded him.
0: Kind of an odd statement to say. Well, think about that when that day comes, because if you really are committed to keeping him, there's nothing to think about. You know, if if we're not gonna get the trade offer we want, we're gonna keep him. They've been selling that all along. If that's true, you don't say, Well, think about that when the day comes. There's nothing to think about. No. He's our guy until somebody trades for him. And if they don't trade for him, we're gonna go forward with him. Which I've never believed. I think the farthest they're gonna go with them is through training camp, through the preseason. And up until the start of the regular season when his $25 million compensation package becomes fully guaranteed, that's the moment he gets squeezed at best to take a lot less and stay with the ultimatum. If you don't, you're out. You're done. It's over. And then you're a free agent when everybody else has their depth charts set and good luck getting paid anything close to what we're willing to offer you from someone else. I think that's still the plan. And they're trying to have it both ways for now. And they're trying to to bolster interest. You know, every thing that I hear from the 49ers I run through that filter of they're trying to get somebody to trade for him. Hey, he's gonna be fine I'd be fine in July Yeah, it's not a big deal no big surgery although he's not coming to mandatory minicamp because he's so focused on his rehab but it's fine it's not a big deal it's not a big deal they can't wait for the opportunity to trade him and they still continue to be apoplectic about the fact that
1: teams aren't falling all over themselves to get him no I know you know yes they're giving us the signals I mean they are They could say what they want, but yes, you're right. That right there, I mean, just that comment itself, oh, wait, I'll think about it, or, again, the fact that he's not there. I mean, when does that happen? Tell me when that happens. Star player, $25 million a year, getting rehab, but he can't come up to the facility and get rehab and learn some of the new plays and do the things there? No, they don't want him there. They don't. You know, going back to the owner's meeting, we think Trey Lance is ready to start and take over. And be the guy. I mean, of course they don't. I don't even think Jimmy G will get to training camp. I don't know. That's just where I, I wouldn't want to mess with it. I think you're just opening up a can of worms with the 49ers. They could say what they want. They can, you know, and and do whatever they want. They they want him to rehab and stay there so he can throw quicker, throw more quickly, and be ready to go. So hopefully he can prove to a team he's healthy and they can trade him and get him out the door. I don't know if that's really going to happen. If they do trade them, I don't think they're going to get anything near what they think they're going to get as far as compensation is concerned. And I would think money is going to be a part of that issue as well. So I that that's where yeah they could say one thing, but man, I still think you bring Jimmy G into camp and expect him to be there and give me oh he's under contract and he's a quarterback. Hey, I, I think you're 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 going to have more issues than you like. Uh, to me, it just there's not a lot of positives for the 49er football team by bringing them there and having that distraction and seeing the players and having him practice and maybe practice better than Trey Lance on a lot of days and have the players answer that that type of stuff. To me, it's not worth it for a team that I look at as a Super Bowl worthy.
0: Or just having him there to undermine the effort to make Trey Lance the starter, to provide a distraction. And I know the other side of that is, hey, Trey Lance, if you're going to be a great quarterback, you got to deal with some crap from time to time. Just go out and have a great day. Go out and play better. Go out and perform in a way that makes it without question that you're better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Prove us right. So that's part of it too. It's the it's the deliberate cajoling of Trey Lance to try to make him into a better quarterback by maybe having Jimmy Garoppolo linger, but but it's just it's just a weird situation. And there's a big difference between him and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is getting his 18.8 million this year. The question is how much will the Browns pay? How much will a new team pay if he's traded? With Garoppolo, you've got New team, willing to take him on, presumably, but not willing to pay $25 million. And this isn't an issue of how much will the 49ers pay. This is how much less will Jimmy G take. Or will he accept a new contract as part of this? Do you take that final year of his current deal at 25 and turn it into something else? It's more complicated. It's more delicate because Jimmy is holding the hammer. All he has to say is no. No, I'm not. Hey, Jimmy, here's our proposal. We're going to trade you the Panthers. I'm just pulling a team out of the air, a team that that maybe, who knows. But, but hey, we're going to trade you the Panthers. Um, and uh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, they're going to pay you 15 and uh, you get to be a free agent after the year uh, and you get to walk in the door right now and uh, and compete to be the starter. How do, how do you like that, Jimmy? What do you think of that? It's like, well, I'm supposed to make twenty five. Well, no? know they're going to pay you 15. You're going to be a free agent next year. Well, I'm going to be a free agent next year anyway. So, I mean, there it's a lot more difficult to fashion an arrangement when you've got a quarterback that can be squeezed to take less. Because he can just say, screw you. I'm not taking a penny less. Cut me. That's the power that he has over this. And nice guy Jimmy, that, that talking point that the 49ers like to feed to me- media that is directly or indirectly on the payroll, at some point that goes out the window because Jimmy's got the final say over this because all he has to say is I'm not accepting a penny less than what I'm due to make this year. And if you don't like it, your only alternative is to cut me unless you can trade me to a team that's willing to pay me 100 cents on the dollar.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I really think that you know, if something doesn't happen here in the next month that they're, we're going to see a similar scenario here in training camp. They're, they're going to tell Jimmy to stay away. Or if, as long as he's okay with that. Stay away, rehab, do your own thing. Because Jimmy's not going to really want to be there either. He's not. The writing's on the wall. He knows what they want to do. You know? So that, that's a difficult situation to want to be in or whatever. I, I think ultimately that's what we're going we're gonna to get to. Is Shanahan's going to get to that moment when they get closer to training camp and realize, wait, do I really want to deal with this? Does he really want to deal with this? And they're going to figure out some way as they wait for a trade or something there. You know, to tell him to stay away from training camp in the meantime so they don't have to deal with it and he can continue on with his own process of getting better and getting ready for the season. I I really feel like it's headed that way.
0: And and it's going to be such an awkward sell. It's a little awkward now, this idea that he has to stay in L.A. and rehab. I mean, I'm sure they have the machinery in Santa Clara where he could show up for a few days, attend meetings, and still do his rehab. It's not like he's rehabbing 24 hours a day. But what will they try to sell us in July? Well, he's fine, but he's really focusing on being more than fine. He's staying in LA to continue to rehab an injury that he's fully rehabbed. He's fully healthy. If anybody wants to trade for him, but he's making sure he's extra fine. He's extra rehabbed. He's extra ready to go in the event that someone will finally, please, please, for God's sake, make us an offer so we can unload this guy and take that 25 million and give it to Debo Samuel and or Nick Bosa. Now, The irony, if that's the proper word to use, again, I never really know, of the Debo Samuel situation is that he's the guy we didn't expect to be at anything, including mandatory minicamp, and he's there. Then there's DK Metcalf, who by all appearances was fine with the fact that the Seahawks were dragging their feet on his contract, and he has never jostled to go anywhere else, even though the quarterback play in Seattle is going to be less than what it was last year. He doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp. And his absence is not excused. That was a surprise to me. That was a big surprise to me. And it's a sign that, hey, whatever the Seahawks have put on the table so far, not nearly good enough. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to dig deep and pay this guy. And he deserves it. Even if they don't have the quarterback to get the full extent of his talents. And, And even if their offense in the past hasn't fully showcased him the way that it should. Maybe it will. But he wants to get paid. The market has been set, and this guy deserves to be paid like some of the other guys who have gotten their contracts this year.
1: Yeah, he's a special player. I mean, period. And, you know, again, you want to help out some quarterbacks that are unproven. You want to play run the ball with Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny and control the clock. Oh, yeah, teams are going to load the box, and now you're going to get some one-on-one matchups outside. And, you know, not too many people on the planet can cover DK Metcalf one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, no question. Like like Debo or A.J. Brown or anybody, we're talking about one of the freakiest guys in football and a guy that's definitely in that convo of top five receivers in the game. So I understand it. He's rehabbing a foot, right? Uh, down in, I, I want to say, was he in L.A. too? Rehabbing. He had this. I know the surgery in the offseason. So that's probably part of this. But I was surprised, like you, to hear that it was unexcused. You know, I thought when I first saw that he wasn't at minicamp, I thought, well, well, they just, he's staying away and they've come to an agreement there. I was surprised by that. But, you know, the the, the more this goes on, and I believe I read something out of Seattle last week that kind of talked about this. I just feel like this is going down, um, we're going to go down TJ Watt Lane with the Pittsburgh Steelers of last year. It's going to be a hold-in situation. He'll be at training camp. He's not going to really practice. He'll work out and do drills on his own and things like that, and they'll slowly but surely find the right number. And, I, and Seattle seems okay with that. I, that was what I read last week. I th- was that last week or early this week? But, but uh, why, not, why not do the same thing now? I don't know why. You're right. That's why I don't know. Yes, that, that's where I'm a little surprised. No, i kidding. You're right. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe that's where the rehab part of this is coming into it. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't feel like he's totally 100. But, yes, I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know why you wouldn't do that now, right now either. It's, it's a valid point. And they could excuse him. They could I know. excuse him. I know.
0: Unexcused means he can be fined. And the cumulative fine for missing the three-day mandatory mini camp is in the neighborhood of $100,000. It's yep. cheaper overall than it is to hold out of training camp. And, and it's more concrete. It's more finite. You make your statement and it's over. If you start missing training camp you get that number maybe that's every, why. Day, every, exactly. day, every day exactly i think that maybe
1: answers Pete's you know first good question he's ever had as a human being that probably did it right there uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's
0: funny we hear many things in our ears and newsflash. flash anybody that watches any amount of tv you see you know we're not in the secret service here we we are communicated with from uh, producers and director but um, I rarely hear a one-word message, and the message when I took the slap at Pete a few minutes ago was "Hey," (laughs) and then I got one too. (laughs) "Hey," (laughs) I think that's your. Let's go to break. Yeah. Oh, now he's calling me old timer. Hey, Pete, you may not like what comes out of my mouth next if you keep that up, because I don't care. I'm fifty seven. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in that mound of dirt soon where Chris is going like this and Aaron Rodgers. Peace, he's out of here. Whatever his new statement is, once he hears that I'm saying he's not as smart as he thinks he is. All right, when we return. More developments with Deshaun Watson. And yesterday's centerpiece, a lengthy story from Jenny Vrentis of the New York Times that is just adding to the notion that the battle of public opinion is decisively being lost by Deshaun Watson. We'll discuss that next here on this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed